Welcome to Flowing East and West, the perfectly imperfect journey to a fulfilled life. I'm Sherry Essig, an executive and life coach, and I work with people who are done settling for less than success and happiness. And I'm Ann Roby, an HR executive and consultant focused on building strong employee engagement and meaningful company culture. So we've been hearing from some really great guests who have talked about some of the changes that they've gone through. Some of those changes were thrust upon them, or they just hit a place where they knew something had to change. And they have all talked about how uncomfortable those changes were. There were pieces that were different for each of them, but every single one of them talked about the discomfort of having to do things differently or show up differently. And it reminded Anne and I of the quote that people change when the pain of staying the same exceeds the pain of change. I think, Sherry, it's really interesting because all of us set ourselves up. Our, we set up our lives in such a way that kind of meets our needs and, and helps us, you know, just kind of get through life, right? And, and organize ourselves and, and operate effectively in life. And I think that what can happen sometimes is we kind of get into a little bit of a rut we sort of do things a little unconsciously and, you know, it's fine. Life is fine. But I think when we get into that rut, what can happen is we miss sort of the opportunity to really have that fulfilled life that we've been talking about on our podcast. And there's lots of opportunities that maybe go by us because, you know, we're just kind of doing our thing and and living our life. And sometimes as, as you said, some of our guests mentioned, like we get clobbered over the head with something. And, and sometimes it can just be that little sort of quiet whisper that we've talked about on the podcast before that really sort of invites us into a different way of being. And it kind of reminded me, Sherry, that time you had the IT band issue. It's a physical example of what we're talking about. But can you tell that story? Because I think it's such a great example. Yeah, it really is a good example. And it's both a literal example. And it's also a metaphor which is I had been in San Francisco and my husband and I had done a 13 mile walk through the streets of San Francisco, which of course means walking a whole lot of hills. And I woke up the next morning and my IT bands were screaming. I also then had to get on a plane and sit for six hours flying across the country. So when I got off the plane, my IT bands were screaming even louder. And so I do a lot of work with yoga therapy balls where you just lay on them and it creates a lot of pressure. And it is usually a kind of hurts so good kind of feeling. And I got onto those yoga therapy balls and my IT bands were so tender, I could stay for maybe a minute. And it was just agonizing. And I'd hit about a minute in my my mind would be screaming, like, get me off of here, get me off of here. Like this hurts. I can't stay here any longer. And I'd roll off the balls and that would be it. And it was helping a little bit, but not a ton. And a few days later, I was in a yoga class that was the whole structure of the yoga class was you requested what you wanted. And so I asked for, can we do some yoga ball magic on IT bands? And Jill, the yoga teacher, said, oh, of course, yes. And I was expecting some nice, yummy, lovely, stretchy, pain release, stretchy thing. And we got onto uh, blocks. We actually didn't do it on yoga therapy balls. We got onto blocks and I thought I was going to die. It was, 
mean, it was, it was like so painful. And Let me I just knew, double check. You didn't die, correct? I did not <laughs> die, right? And I knew logically I wasn't going to die, but oh my God, it was so painful. And I hit about a minute. And again, I had this overwhelming urge. I've got to flee from this because it's human nature, right? We want right. to get away from discomfort. And we ended up on there for about three minutes. And I did not want to be a wimp. There was no way since I requested it, right? There was no way I was going to cry uncle. And of course, I did not die. And within an hour, I physically felt like so much better. And I'm sure eventually my IT bands would have released and would have gotten better. But seriously, I think it could have been weeks. It's such a good example of how we, you know, you were trying to do the right thing. So you were kind of rolling around on your yoga therapy balls and, but you would kind of give up after a short amount of time. And then, you know, and this happens a lot. We'll try, we'll dip our toe into trying something new or uncomfortable, but then we'll kind of pull back out pretty quickly because nobody likes to be uncomfortable. Right. And so, I mean, in this situation, it was interesting because you were like, oh no, I'm, I'm the one that asked for it. So I'm not going to be the one to like stop. Right. And so you were, your hand was forced a little bit and you stayed with the discomfort. And then the result was. The result was incredible incredible pain relief. Right. Right. And the thing that so often happens, whether it's a physical situation or whether it's more of a, I want to do something different. So the reaction is more of an emotional reaction of like, this is way too scary. This is way too uncomfortable is we get our inner critic or we get into monkey mind and we convince ourselves we can't do something or we convince ourselves we can't stay with it long enough that it's impossible or something bad is going to happen. And in my example, that was, again, that was a relatively small thing. It was very physical, but it was also very metaphorical. But Anne, you're going through something right now that is neither physical nor metaphorical. So very real. Right. Can you tell us a little bit about what's happening in your life? Yeah. So I have made the decision to leave corporate life. This really started uh, about a year and a half ago where I had a conversation with my boss at my current company, the CEO. And I said, you know, I'd really like to start to step down a little bit and maybe just create a little bit more space. I'm still going to be your your head of HR, but I'm going to work a little bit less and, and really try to drive my team to, to pick up more. And, and in, the, in the process, you know, in my mind it was very clear, right? I'm going to do a little bit less. They'll get more developed everything can kind of stay relatively the same. And it was hard to work up the nerve to have that conversation. You know, it's, it's not a normal thing. And yet at the time he received it really well. And I did, I, I stepped back to about 80% time for about a year. It's actually one of the things that helped us really launch the podcast because it would have felt uncomfortable to me if I was trying to launch the podcast and working full time. It just would have felt like a stealing time away from my employer, which didn't feel right. And so it seemed to work pretty well. And so I had that little dip my toe in and I got uncomfortable and had the conversation with him and I was rewarded because he said yes. And it felt like it was going along pretty well. And then in December, he came back to me and said, you know, I really actually want a full-time head of HR. And I had to really think about this, Sherry, because it's a great company have a very nice paycheck. I've gotten to do some really amazing, awesome work here from an HR perspective. What's lovely about a company like this and a company our size is 
you know, I, I can really sort of create programs or approaches or, or different ways of operating and I can really feel the result. And that's really important to me to, to not only be able to, to implement something, but to really feel the result. And in some larger companies, I didn't always feel that. So it's, this company has been this really nice sweet spot of pays really well. I get to do really fun things. I have a great team around me. It's a global job. So when my boss, the CEO came to me in December and said, Hey, I really want a full-time head of HR. Would you consider coming back full-time and then committing for another few years? You know, the easy decision there would have been to say, sure, no problem. But instead I really had to take a deep breath. And I said, I think I need to honor what I really want to go do. And so I'm going to have to decline. And that was hard. So I'm sure everybody listening can imagine lots of reasons why it was hard, (laughs) but love to hear you talk about what made it hard for you. Yeah. I mean, there's security in what I'm doing right now and the way that I've been operating. It's a great job. As I had mentioned, I'm getting to do really good work that I really, really enjoy. And, you know, the future without that feels very unknown. It feels like that, you know, sort of stepping off the cliff thing. I think we've talked about that before from Indiana Jones, right? We're like, I feel like I'm stepping off this cliff and I'm just hoping the bridge rises up to meet me, but it, it just feels really uncomfortable. Like what we're talking about. What's so interesting about your story is the first part of it was you did something uncomfortable and you got immediately rewarded. Yes. Right. And those are the easy ones, right? It's Mm -hmm. like, okay, I got up my courage and I did it. And now I don't have to be uncomfortable anymore. Right. It's sort of the, the quick discomfort hit. And what you're talking about is much more about truly stepping into a period of discomfort, right? right. It's way more than an uncomfortable moment, which those are hard enough, but it's, this is stepping into really having to stay with the discomfort for an unknown period of time, right? right. So maybe in three weeks, everything will fall into place and it won't (laughs) be uncomfortable anymore. And I know you're sitting there thinking, yes, please let that be true. And, (laughs) And I hope that is true. And there's probably an equal likelihood that you're stepping into a period of sustained discomfort. Can you talk a little bit about how you are thinking about that and what are some of the things that you are doing to navigate that? Yeah, you know, it's, it's interesting the quote that you started with because it's not that I have been in pain in my current company. It is more of a draw of what I'm really so interested and fascinated by that I get to do pieces of in my current job, which is why I thought I had this little magical combination for a while that I got to do pieces of it. And then I got to do some pieces externally. But at the end of the day, what I love, and you know, it's the way that we start our podcast is I really, really love getting to influence senior leaders and help organizations build meaningful company culture. And I like and tolerate <laughs> other parts of my current job, but where I, I feel like I just turn on like a big shining star is when I get to work with senior leaders and really help them see the very b- best versions of themselves and then bring out the very best versions of their team. And so for me, when I was forced into making that decision, it was the discomfort of 
just sort of doing things that felt good and fine and, you know, whatever. Some people think I'm a little bit crazy because it is a good company versus that opportunity that feels like it's there to do more of this kind of stuff, like what I'm doing with you, right? To partner with some other folks that I really like to partner with. You and I have talked about maybe a book in the future or maybe doing retreats in the future. So more to come on that to our podcast listeners. But, you know, that's hard to do when you're still sort of the head of HR for a major tech company. And so to me, it became that trade-off of stuff I like and parts of it loved versus the opportunity that I, I can't even really name what the opportunity is other than, you know, I just named a few things, but it almost feels like there is something and, and opportunities that I'm just getting this little nudge that it's time to try to go and sort of capture and realize. And in order to navigate that, I had to get really a little bit more comfortable being uncomfortable. You know, I was just chatting with my mom this week and she's like, so have you figured out the finances? And you know, I was like, well, not exactly, but I'm sure it'll come. And you know, Although from a serendipitous st- standpoint, it was really interesting. I took a quick call when I had her in the car. She and I were just on a little mini vacation. And I mean, out of the blue, I heard from somebody I used to work with and, and he said, hey, hey, I may have an opportunity for you. And by the way, it's in Napa, which is where I live. And so it's just one of those funny things like, huh, maybe there is something right around the corner. So you've actually touched on three things that I want to ask you about. And the challenge is going to be, can I retain all three? Because I didn't (laughs) write any of them down. But the first one I want to circle back on is your comment that you weren't really in the position of, wow, the pain of staying the same exceeds the pain of change. But you are talking about something that aligns with that, which is as you looked ahead, the idea of staying on some level, I think you could see that that would ultimately not be satisfying for you. That's right. And, right. That's and right. so sometimes we are able to see that if I make this choice, I am going to get to the point where I'm not going to be happy. Right. And I'm going to exit out of that now. And that's great when that happens. And so it isn't always that in this moment, I'm so miserable, I have to make a change. That's right. But it's still uncomfortable. Or it's for me, it almost felt like a trade off of opportunity. Mm -hmm. Right. So still plenty of opportunity in the company I'm with currently. But it just feels like, I mean, when I'm in front of a room and teaching, and we haven't talked about Enneagram much on the podcast yet, but you and I are both certified with Enneagram, and it's something we're both super passionate about. And when I'm in front of a room, even if it's a virtual room these days, (laughs) getting to teach or talk about Enneagram and seeing people light up and having their ahas, I mean, there is something that happens to me that I can't even describe it. I love that. I love when people are having their ahas. I, I love that. And so... It is exactly what you're saying, that there's perhaps future pain, even, you know, let's be honest, no job is perfect, you know, even even a little bit of current pain. And maybe it's just my tendency to reframe to the positive a little bit. But to me, it was really about the opportunity now that feels comfortable and familiar that I've done for four years against what I believe is an opportunity on the horizon that I want more of that yummy, juicy feeling I have when I'm in front of the room, like I was just talking about a moment ago. So it's, a, it's an opportunity trade-off for me. 
Well, and it speaks really well to like the answer to the question of, so what makes getting uncomfortable worth it? Yeah. Because again, human nature is to flee from discomfort. Like it's, we're really hardwired for that. That's right. And, you know, I have really come to believe that what sits between us and what our deepest desires really are is a whole lot of discomfort. And you don't have to bite off all the discomfort at once, but it, it is, we'd all really create exactly what we wanted if it wasn't uncomfortable to the extent that it was within our power, right? Obviously there's constraints outside of us, but it's why we're talking about this, right? Is that it really, really matters. The other thing you touched on that I just want to come back to real quick is your mom's reaction. Mm. And this is another thing that can happen when we start stepping into things that not only make us uncomfortable, but they're things that might make somebody else uncomfortable. And you have to be prepared to withstand other people's reactions. Yeah. I think I had shared with you, Anne, that many years ago when I left my corporate job to take six months off and figure out what I wanted to do, fully expecting I was going to go get another corporate job. And I got three reactions. One reaction was, oh my God, what are you going to do if you can't find another job in six months? Right. And one reaction was, oh, you're so lucky. I wish I could do that. Mm. And the very thin slice of reaction was, oh my God, that's great. And I got a really early, relatively early lesson in be really careful to not absorb other people's reactions because that reflects their own discomfort. Yeah. Yeah, it's, I think it's interesting to take it in and, and I'm lucky, you know, my mom was actually super supportive. She was asking the question in a, in a really kind of easy way, but I, I have other friends that are like, wait, what? I mean, even the lovely woman who we found to, you know, replace me, she's my successor. She's like, and you seem to love this place. Why, why are you doing this? <laughs> like even the person that we've now hired said it, and she meant it in a very loving and, and, and wonderful way. But to me, I think it's important to hear other people's perspectives, but to your point, not to be overly influenced by them, right? And to understand that people are going to come from their own perspectives. And we've talked a bit about perspectives in the past. And, you know, we want to make sure that we're taking other perspectives in mind. But even as we think about making a difficult leap or getting, you know, more comfortable with being uncomfortable, it's important for us to consider other perspectives, even in that case, right? Because often we will sometimes hold the perspective ourselves that it's not possible, right? And so I often joke that, you know, when I think about, especially when I feel like I'm working too much or I'm doing things I don't actually like to do, I I often think to myself, what would my dog Chandi think? Because I think most of the time she'd be like, get off the damn phone or the, the Zoom or whatever, and let's go for a walk. And so your point of listening to perspectives, but not necessarily taking them on is an important one, especially the naysayers. And especially when you're trying to do something that it feels a little against the grain, right? Like who quits a great job in the middle of their career? That seems strange to people. You had the same experience when you, when you did something similar. Right. So one of the words we haven't used yet is vulnerability. And this is getting out of your comfort zone and giving yourself permission to get uncomfortable and to stay with discomfort is a huge act of vulnerability. 
it's something we heard Layla talk a lot about in our conversation with her. We did a whole episode on vulnerability. And I don't think you can separate vulnerability from expanding your capacity to be with discomfort. So can you talk a little bit about how vulnerability came into this for you? Yeah, it's a big one. It's a really big one for me, especially I, I wish vulnerability just came super easy, but it doesn't to any of us. And and I possibly got a, a larger dose in some ways. But I think for me, that initial conversation was the one that that really exemplifies vulnerability. And that was, you know, I had to really expose myself in some ways. I had to really let myself be seen. I had to ask specifically for what I wanted. And, you know, to some people that may seem like no big deal. To me, it's a big, big deal. And to me, it was difficult to lay out, you know, and potentially at that point, I thought I was wrong, but, you know, could I lose my job over this? Like, hey, I I don't want to work in the way that the whole rest of the world works. I want to work in the way that I design. And it really took me getting brave. I thought a lot about it. I wrote things out. I talked to you about it. I, you know, there were a lot of things that I did in order to kind of get up the nerve. And the good thing is, is that he and I already had, you know, have a really good cadence of trust. And so I, it felt a little bit more comfortable, but it did take really kind of getting to the point of being brave enough to actually say something and being willing to risk you know, the fact that, you know, my employment might be, it could have potentially come to an end. I mean, that didn't really feel like a possibility, but I guess it was, it was somewhat of a possibility. And so just really practicing getting in that space of deep breaths and getting really clear on what I want and being willing to, you know, it's, like, it's again, a little bit going back to your quote, it became really clear that it was going to be more uncomfortable for me to stay with what I had when I could see the potential of what I could be. And so I swept aside those fears or at least tried to nudge them to the back a little bit. And the other thing for me is just really honoring the relationship that I have with this person and I know how he operates. And so I didn't just spring it on him. I wrote something out and sent it to him ahead of time because I know that's best for him. And then that gave him some time to digest it. And then by the time we actually got to speak, he was had his thoughts, I had my thoughts, and then we could go into it kind of openly. So it was getting a little uncomfortable in order to, you know, welcome the vulnerability and walk into it a little bit more. Right. Yeah. I often think that working on vulnerability and working on discomfort are to some degree one in the same, yeah. right? Because it wouldn't be vulnerability if it wasn't uncomfortable, That's I guess right. is right. Is how I often think about it. So, so your story, it's not just a story, it's your lived experience that, you're, right. Right, that you're right in the middle of is a really powerful example of taking a big leap, right? Mm. Like really getting uncomfortable and taking a big leap. And there are times where we have to do that. That's that moment of when either the pain is currently now exceeding the pain of change, or you could see ahead to see that that's what awaited you down the road. And it's great when we make those leaps. Mm. It's also equally as important to just build the skill. It's the skill of being able to stay with discomfort because a lot of times we can muster up the courage and the strength to take that first step. I could get on those yoga therapy balls for like a minute, right? But I didn't have the 
internal fortitude in that moment to stay with it. Yeah. And so it is a skill that's worth developing. I like how you're describing this, Sherry, because it's not like you can go from zero to 100. And I think that that's part of what we're trying to get across in this podcast is by starting, it's like, if you want to get stronger, you know, you go to the gym and you start with the five pound weights and then you work your way up to the eights and maybe the tens. And at some point, maybe you get to the 25s, who knows? Right. And maybe you even start with a two pound weight. Exactly. And so I think that's the same thing with getting a little bit more comfortable with being uncomfortable. And so, you know, there's, there's small ways to, to practice, you know, for me, I am not shy with my opinion. As you could probably tell if you've listened to this podcast wait, for more wait, than five wait. seconds. Wait, wait, wait. You're not shy with your opinions? <laughs> I know. Shocking. I have never had that experience with you. <laughs> um, and so one way to practice, it's actually active vulnerability, and it's uncomfortable for me to actually hold my tongue at times, to not speak up in meetings, to not feel the need to always share my opinion. And that's true for me. For other people, it would be the opposite. If there's somebody that rarely speaks up in a meeting, right, just taking the opportunity to, in that little practice, like, okay, I'm going to put myself out on that limb today. I am going to speak up in this meeting, right? And so it happens in big and small ways. And, and I'm sure you have some other thoughts about how people can start to build that muscle. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm actually thinking about a client I worked with a few years ago who had really strong perfectionists. I don't even want to say tendencies, right? She was a really, really, really strong perfectionist. And it was getting in her way on mm. some things that she really wanted to, to do and some changes she wanted to make. And there was no way to go from where she was to doing it perfectly tomorrow. Mm. And so it was going to require her to get really uncomfortable. And so she started building her discomfort muscle with literally leaving a dirty dish in the sink every (laughs) night before she went to bed, which I know sounds crazy, but it wasn't crazy at all. It was a really, really intelligent way to start because intellectually, she 100% knew nothing bad was going to happen if she left a dish in the sink overnight, right? Like there was there was no intellectual battle. It was a hundred percent the discomfort of it. And so that's an example of, it doesn't really matter what the it is. That's right. It's pick something that makes you uncomfortable and pick something that is really pretty low stakes. Yeah. And so when the internal chatter starts around like, this is so uncomfortable. I don't want to do this. I want to get away from this discomfort. You have a much better chance at overruling it with logic, with taking a deep breath and reminding yourself, nothing bad's going to happen from this. It's just uncomfortable. That's right. It totally reminds me of your IT band story, right? Like you were sure you could not handle staying on those, you know, putting pressure on your IT bands for more than a minute. And yet when you went into the yoga class, and you were kind of forced into the situation, all of a sudden you could. And I think it's the same with this, right? So the the dish story is an interesting one because most nights there are plenty of dirty dishes in my sink. So that's not, that wouldn't be a stretch for me. What you're talking about is is finding the thing that's a stretch for each one of us. It just starts to build that capacity a little bit more. Yes, absolutely. It's such a personal thing because what makes one person comfortable and uncomfortable is not the same thing 
that makes another person comfortable or uncomfortable. A couple other things that are super key for this is no judgment, right? Like Mm -hmm. no judgment at all, or it's already hard enough and judging it will make it next to impossible. Yep. And then whatever you pick, consistency is key. Like this is a practice. This is how you build muscle. And so whatever you pick, whether it's a dirty dish in the sink, whether it's speaking up in a meeting because you are the person who is uncomfortable expressing your opinion. So you're going to speak up or you speak all the time and you zip it up or whatever it is, commit to doing it every single day for 30 days because that's how that's how you will stretch your comfort zone. And then when you get to 30 days, notch it up a hair. Yeah. I sort of think about even this podcast, right? So when you and I first started, we talked about it forever. We wrote a bunch of things and listened to a bunch of podcasts. And, but, but then we just tried a couple of times and we had our little, at that time, I don't even think we had equipment. I think we were just doing it like on Zoom or something, but we were practicing, we were stepping into it. And, and I wouldn't say it was exactly zipping forward a hundred you know, meters at a time or something. It was sort of three steps forwards, one backwards, you know, a couple more steps forward, sometimes a couple steps back. And that's what's important, right? Is the staying with it. It may feel uncomfortable. It may feel sort of yucky. You know, you have to decide for yourself the best way to put the whatever it is out in the world for Sherry and I, like we were practicing. Y'all are never going to hear any of those practices. I'll tell you that. But for us, we listen to them. We let a very select small group of friends listen as well and kind of give us some feedback and some thoughts. And that's how we continue to expand our capacity specifically with this podcast on how to get a little bit more comfortable with putting our voices out in the world. It's a good example in another way as well, which is when we started talking about it, and this will happen with lots and lots of things in our lives. Talking about it wasn't uncomfortable. Talking about it wasn't hard. When we started brainstorming, it got a little harder when we really started trying to figure out, okay, what exactly is this going to be be about? But that wasn't uncomfortable, right? right? It just took a while. And then when it was time to start recording, and it started to get a little more uncomfortable. So this is another thing that often happens when we're going after something we want or we want to create something is it can start out great, but then we hit the discomfort wall. Right. Right. And so sometimes it's something where it is just uncomfortable to even start, but yeah. sometimes it's the thing that stalls us out. Right. And we quit too soon or we give up too soon. So there are so many reasons why building a discomfort muscle is such a big part of creating change or transformation or heeding that sacred whisper or really acknowledging this is my deep desire that I have always had. Magic really does start to happen when you allow yourself to get uncomfortable, or I've made up a word discomfortable because (laughs) I think it just describes it in a much more compelling way. It's like really get discomfortable. You know, it's so interesting. And it just, it makes me think of that story. I just told you how, how out of the blue, I got a call from a colleague. Hey, do you want to, any chance you're free to do some work? And PS it's in your backyard, (laughs) you know, and who knows the call may have 
come if I hadn't had this uncomfortable conversation at work. But it, it is interesting how once you start opening yourself up, just that metaphorical bridge will rise. And sometimes it's quick and sometimes not so quick. That's right. I mean, that's the other thing, right? It's wonderful when we get immediate positive outcomes from getting uncomfortable. And <laughs> right. it doesn't always happen that way. That's right. right? That's right. And so it's such a good point because it, it is a matter of staying with it, especially if it's something like leave the dish in the sink or you know, speaking up in meetings or asking somebody for help or practicing something new and sticking with it. Because to your point, it, it takes a while to build that muscle. Just like when you're at the gym, you don't go once and lift those two pound weights. You have to do it over and over in order to really build your muscle. So it's very, very similar. So before we wrap up, what's next for you now? Yeah, thanks You've for taken that. the big step, right? <laughs> you're, uh, as we're recording this, you're on the home stretch in your job. Yep. And so what's next? So first, what's next is just to take a pause for a minute, I think. But I'm super excited. I'm relaunching my company, which is Darshan Leadership. And I really, as I spoke about earlier, want to get more into coaching and consulting, doing some advising. I already have a couple of interesting clients sort of brewing that there's sort of this interesting place where organizations get, you know, they've, they've hired enough HR, so they, they hire and fire effectively, but maybe don't yet have that more strategic thought process, but they're not quite ready for a strategic chief people officer. So there's a sweet spot in there for me to do some advising with those kinds of clients and uh, hopefully do some more of this fun stuff with you, Sherry, and maybe get that book off the ground that we've talked about. Part of me has no idea. Part of me is just excited for the possibilities and what might come around the corner. Practicing staying in that uncomfortable place of where's my next page coming from? It'll come. But really, you can just, always come live with me. Okay. <laughs> That's good to know. I do have this unruly dog, though, so we'll see. <laughs> but really, you know really just sort of staying open to what the possibilities are and kind of what shows up next. So stay tuned, I guess is what I would say. And on that note, we'll wrap up today's episode and please join us next time for Flowing East and West, The Perfectly Imperfect Journey to a Fulfilled Life.